Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. All right, here we go. Welcome everybody who's tuning in from home, watch parties, a car, whatever else. My name is Brandon Richardson, and I lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And uh, this is my second time recording this because studio audience uh, distracted me. And it's definitely their fault, especially Jenna's. Anyway, moving on. Um, Listen, we got a great message uh, for you today, and it wasn't Jenna's fault. Jenna's phenomenal. Today's message, we saved the best for last. I don't know if when you hear this, if you're going to think that. In fact, Nate already told you what the subject is. Um, It's this weird topic, okay? We went through things like jealousy and anger, lust, greed, gluttony, pride. And it's like, those are heavy hitters, okay? We're in a series right now called The Seven Deadly Sins. And when you go through all this, like, there's a couple that make you question, right? Gluttony would be one of them. Because you're like, of course, pride is a seven. That's easy. Lust, I get it. Jealousy, anger. Like, these things make sense. All of a sudden, we get to the last one, and it makes us scratch our head. We're like, what does this really have to do with seven deadly sins? Like, what was it that the early church fathers decided, you know, the desert father that, that kind of wrote these down the first time, what made him decide, like, this is a seven deadly sins? Sloth, laziness, apathy, this idea of not being productive, but actually wasting away. Because I mean, to be honest, the first time that I heard the word sloth when it came to seven deadly sins, the only thing that came to my mind is exactly what Nate was talking about in his introduction, which is uh, just an animal, sloth. In fact, my mind went to Ice Age and Sid the Sloth, you know, hey, Diego, you know, like that, that's, ex- that's, that's the first thing that comes into my mind. I do only two characters, movie characters well. It's Sid the Sloth and Kermit the Frog. And I'm not going to do either because that would be inappropriate, you know. And, and so I'm going to regret doing that. That's going to live online forever. Um, sloth, laziness, apathy. What is it about this sin that is so easily entangles our souls in who we are? I'm going to tell you a story about ants. We moved into a new house in November and uh, it wasn't until the spring we realized that this beautiful patio that we have out back, it's like a stone patio. It's, it's laid out over a, a lot of yard, actually. It's all these stones and everything else. And it wasn't until the spring we realized that that stone patio was covering so much ground that you get ants that pop up in the cracks between the stones. And not just a few ants, but like a ton of ants. Now, I grew up with a dad that reminded me that if we're gonna like get rid of a fly in the house or there's like a beetle running around, like you kill it quickly. You don't let anything suffer, right? So like I just grew up like it's better not to kill it. We'll just like live in peaceful harmony with all of the creatures inside our house. Well, when you're a homeowner, 
your entire view of that completely changes. Now I battle with my daughter, Kenzie, who's like, Dad, like we should leave it. Like they're God's creatures. And I'm like, who are you? You know, my, do- my, my, my other daughter, Claire, she literally at two years old, she calls the flies in our house that get in, she calls them buggy. And she comes to her and says, Daddy, don't kill our pet buggy. And I have to like look at this. And then I look at the creatures and I'm like, no, we got to get rid of this. So in the spring this year, we had a problem with ants. We had a legitimate ant problem. We're like, we don't know where these are coming from. How is this happening? And we went on a full out killing spree. Okay, like it was, it was like, like we armed the kids with with like ant traps, and we like sent them out. We like uh, had them on 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 watch like throughout the night, so they would all take different shifts, and they would tell us when an ant popped up in our house. Like it was full on battle. Because ants are resilient. Ants will push through, and ants are phenomenal little creatures, aren't they? You know, the book of Proverbs actually has something to say about ants. And this is one of those um, verses, for whatever reason, my dad would show uh, and read to us all the time, reminding us of the importance of hard work growing up. And in Proverbs 6, verse 6, it says this. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. See, when we consider this topic of sloth or laziness or, um, or, or, or idleness or apathy, Um, What we need to realize is that this actually is one of these sins, the seven deadly sins that plagues us from the inside out consistently, continually, almost all the time. We are in a society right now that is absolutely obsessed with taking a break. So why is it that this could actually be one of those deadly sins that actually infiltrates us on a daily basis, and if we're not careful to its very quiet schemes in our life, that we can actually allow it to ruin us? So I want to look at this, because when we look at our culture, what we actually see is a culture of hustle. You know, we've got all these different figures that are constantly telling us to hustle, um, to make it. Um, uh, 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 to, to grind it out, to make sure you have a side hustle, to make sure that you're not taking it easy and all the rest. You know, we look to, 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 to uh, gurus like Grant Cardone and, and Gary Vee. And sometimes these guys say great things, but you know, when you talk about eat, eat the, the meat and spit out the bones type of thing, there's a lot of bones because it's just like, do it, grind it, produce more, uh, get more content out there, just keep going. The only reason you're not succeeding is because you're not trying hard enough. And so we live in this society that when we talk about sloth, it's like, listen, I'm the last person you need to talk to sloth about because I'm grinding it out. I'm hustling it out. I'm continually working harder and harder to get ahead so that I'm not this. How could I possibly be dealing with sloth? How could I possibly be dealing with laziness? You see, it's interesting because for so many of us, we look at our lives and when we introduce ourselves to somebody, they'll say, hey, how are you doing? And, and almost always, what comes off of our tongue is, ah, it's kind of busy. 
You know, things, things, are, things are kind of busy in my life. We wear it like a badge of honor. In fact, if we're not busy, we kind of feel coy about it. We're like, uh, you know, you're, like, you're on vacation, you come up back, and, and we, we have this tendency to, like, justify the fact that we were resting. You know, like, how was your vacation? It's like, oh, it was, you know, it was good. Like, you know, the season before was really, really, like, really Really, imagine how busy you are, really, like, like 10 times busier than that. So I had to take some rest. And even while I was off, like I got in a run every morning and, you know, I made sure that it was productive. I read 10 books and like, you know, so like, yeah, some might call it a vacation, but I really working hard. Like we, we pride ourselves on busyness. So how in the world is sloth a part of the struggle that we're currently finding ourselves in in the year 2021? Well, I would suggest that for a lot of us, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is I'm busy. Life is, is crazy. I don't, I don't know how to find any time for myself. I, uh, I'm, I'm giving time to all these different things. I'm saying too many yeses, not enough noes, and all the rest. And I constantly have conversations with people where, you know, I start asking questions. I start asking questions in my life. And, and, and really, maybe the first question to, to, to lead us into maybe understanding maybe we do struggle with slothfulness or laziness or apathy is to just ask you, hey, could you quickly just pull out your phone, go to the settings, and pull up screen time? You see, all of us are busy, and all of us don't have enough time, and all of us are, 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 don't have enough time in the day or enough hours in the week and everything else until we pull out our phones and we get a little bit real with how we're actually spending our time. Hey, could I, walk, could I just quickly browse your Netflix history and how much time you've been putting in that this past week? Do you, do you mind if I just take a quick look at how many videos on YouTube you watched during the last seven days? Would it be okay if I just took a look at how much time is accumulated in your screen time that is actually put towards social media? Because I think for a lot of us, we go, yeah, life is busy and I don't have enough time and everything else. But for so many of us, we're actually just distracting ourselves. And so when we look at things, God gives us a balance to the workaholic nature and the hustle and the bustle and the grinding it out and making sure that we're putting our best foot forward. He gives us a command to rest. And I really believe that if a lot of us were to rest as God has commanded us to rest, we might not actually feel so busy. But it's because we work so hard and then the the answer to working hard and the emotional turmoil so many of us are going through is that we distract ourselves so it actually allows us to feel like we're constantly doing something. Our mind is constantly active. But I bet you if we paired work with rest, we might actually find ourselves in a place where we don't have to answer busy to the question, how are you doing all of the time? See, a lot of us actually struggle with apathy when it comes to the things we're actually doing. That's what's burdening us, not necessarily the fact that we're doing something. So when we talk about apathy, all of a sudden it brings slothfulness and not doing anything into a clear view, maybe for the culture that we live in today. Because apathy can be applied to all of the different things that we're doing. And if you're doing everything that you're doing with apathy, it does become burdensome. 
Again, one of these things that I constantly tell our leaders is that if you're having trouble with turning off the alarm in the morning, which is something that I've been struggling with for about a year and a half, funny enough, it, it lines up with the pandemic, which a lot of us don't want to give credit to because it's got to be something else. It's got to be something else that's causing me all this trouble. No, maybe it was just the pandemic. And maybe if you name it, we can get past it. But for a lot of us, when we have trouble with turning off our alarm four, five, six, seven times in the morning, for a lot of us, it's not a, it's not a problem of what we're waking up to do. It's a problem with the vision we have waking up to do it. So a lot of us, the alarm clock and the snooze problem is really a vision problem for what we're doing with our lives. So many of us are approaching our day-to-day and every aspect of our lives with apathy rather than vision for what God wants us to do. And so we work our, our, ourselves tired because our mind's not in it. And then when we find a break from the things that are scheduled in our calendar, or maybe we're just sitting on the toilet trying to get away from our boss, and we open up our phone to just get a relief from the apathetic work that we've been doing, and we scroll ourselves to death. In fact, there's a book that was written, I believe it was in the 70s, written by a guy named Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Now, I'm kind of wondering how a guy in the 70s was able to write a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death when all they really had was uh, the introduction of TV. (laughs) It is a prophetic book to our time now, which just talks about the idea that if we're not careful, we we will amuse ourselves to death. You know, it's funny because in our culture, we all feel like we deserve the life of a celebrity, And we should work towards it. And a lot of us, we work to live. And so we're working and we're wearing ourselves out to be able to get that vacation and to be able to post those pictures from that place and everything else. And yet we've got it all turned up on our heads. Sloth in our culture today is not seen as a vice, but a virtue. (laughs) Where if I can just get to that weekend and if I can just get to that break, and if I can just get to that vacation, everything's going to be okay, but what are we doing when we have that break? What are we doing when we have that weekend? What are we doing when we have that day off? What are we doing when we get to that vacation? Because for a lot of us, what we do on those, during those times off is not actually rest, but it is still sloth, because we're approaching it with apathy. You see, the way that we do vacations today is actually very, it's a very new introduction to our lives in the last 120, 110 years. It started in the Industrial Revolution where all of a sudden the Industrial Revolution brought the earliest forms of robots into our manufacturing and our workplaces. And what it did is it alleviated the burden from the workforce so that we could actually uh, create the thing called the weekend. We could actually create something called vacations. This wasn't a thing before the 19th century. Like, like there, were, there wasn't like a, we're gonna go on vacation. Like, like that was a, that, this is a modern creation of our world today. Yes, there was commands to rest in scripture. And for those that were trying to follow it, they would follow those things. But the idea of a vacation or the idea of saving up so that we can go to Hawaii or the idea of saving up so that we could vacate our life as it is did not exist because we had vocations and then we rested. But for so many of us today, we have apathetic work and then distraction. And we're walking through our life with so much burden on us because we can't seem to find a way out. And so today, 
If we consider that anger deals with how we handle our emotions and jealousy deals with how we handle things and comparison and lust deals with how we, uh, how, how we deal with um, pleasure and greed has to do with how we deal with money. Well, when it comes to sloth, it really has to do with how we handle our time. Because sloth has a, has a direct relationship with how we're spending our time. For so many of us, we think that work is from the enemy. In fact, I had an uncle one time um, who, who, who said that, you know, I can't, I can't wait for heaven so that there will be no work. I can't wait for the new earth so that there's no work. And I found that so interesting. You know, uh, my dad, his favorite book of the Bible is the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, and in fact, that's probably my favorite book of the Bible. It's an interesting book, a collection of different wisdom sayings, axioms about life and that sort of thing. And uh, his, his dad would uh, have him read this uh, every single week. The family would gather together. They had fi- uh, 14 kids, and they would gather together, the ones that were living at home at the time, and they would read out of the book of Proverbs. And my mom still has my, my, my pal. That's my grandfather's old Bible. And in the book of Proverbs, the way that they would do this is they would read the verse that was assigned to them. And so everybody in the family would read a different verse. And uh, coincidentally enough, the verses corresponded with whatever my grandfather felt one of my aunts or uncles were struggling with. And so my one uncle who said, I can't wait until, you know, we get to heaven and the new earth because there's not going to be any work. Interestingly enough, read all the verses that had to do with sluggardness, laziness, and all the rest of this. And, 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 and my grandfather could see this just because because. This is a view that a lot of us have as Christians. Like work is the enemy, but I want to submit to you today that work is actually something that is supposed to give us energy. Genesis chapter two, two to three says this, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now all of us say, amen, let's rest from our work. But I don't know if we really understand what it's saying because it says that God rested from his work. See, if God is perfect and God is holy and God is the standard, and yet God in his perfection is working, maybe work is not the enemy. A few verses later, Genesis 2, 15 to 17, it says, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, what you need to understand here is that right there, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. (laughs) This is before sin. He's right here telling them, don't eat from that tree. That video that we showed before, it's like this whole, um, it's this whole um, uh, mental image of of Eve taking the apple and, and, and debating whether or not she should eat from that tree. He's commanding them to work before sin ever entered the world. See, work is not sinful. Work is not the enemy. What happened because of the fall and us choosing other than God is work didn't become, uh, work, work wasn't sin. It's that work became toilsome. So all of a sudden we go from working in a healthy way to work becoming toilsome. Thank God that Jesus hung on a tree so that he could redeem the parts of life that are caused and caught under the curse of sin so we could go from toilsome work to restful work. Work is a part of the design that God has for us. See, I think that we need to understand that work is not from the enemy. It's when we busy ourselves that we find ourselves Worn out and tired. Even in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, 
We actually read that Paul says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. This might even just be a, a, a message for the current climate we live in where a whole bunch of people in our society got used to serve in the midst of a, an entire time where, where the workforce was shut down and the government had to help us and everything else. And I'm talking to my neighbor the other day and he's like, I can't find somebody to actually work the desk, work the, the calls and the email for my business because nobody wants to apply. They'd rather just stay on workers' compensation. They'd rather just stay on unemployment. We gotta understand that if we do not work, we cannot eat. Work is not from the enemy. It's what we do with work that determines whether we're worn out by work or we are fueled by what we are doing. Timothy Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, it's all about our, our, our way that we relate to work as Christians. He says, the material creation was made by God to be developed, cultivated, and cared for in an endless number of ways through human labor. But even the simplest of these ways is important. Without them, all human life cannot flourish. Say so all of us, we want to be CEOs and we want to run things and we want to work for ourselves and everything else. But somebody has to work at that grocery store. Somebody has to clean those floors. Somebody has to go out and paint the lines on the highway. Somebody, even in its simplest form, what do we do with all of this? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. When we approach work as if we're working unto God, all of a sudden it switches from toilsome to actually something that gives us energy and, 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 and boosts us as we begin to realize that God is even using that to redeem the world that we live in. So work cannot be evil when it is so much from God. We gotta work on our spirits when it comes to our posture towards work. You see, rest is certainly a a, a response to the busyness that we cultivate in our lives, but rest comes when we are working. You see, that initial um, that, that initial verse about rest in Genesis 2, when God says he rests, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God works six days and he rests one day. And he says, go and do the same. Later, he will command us to observe a Sabbath. Go and do the same. You know, for humans, we can actually, we can, we can actually take joy in the fact that we are created on the sixth day And God rests on the seventh day. So the very first day we are alive and ready to get at it and ready to hustle and ready to do all these things, God says, you know, we go to God and we go, what are we gonna do today, God? And God says, actually, today's a day of rest. Not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done. It's a precursor to Christ. It's not about what you've done. It's actually about what God has done. But then he follows it up. You better work after that. (laughs) Because rest is followed by work. And work is followed by rest. And rest is followed by work. For a lot of us, we go, you know, well, if God needed, I've heard this so many times in the church. Well, if God needed one day of rest, I need two. (laughs) God didn't command us to take two days of rest. For some of us, we're actually bored at night because we're not working hard enough. We're distracting ourselves and we're filled with apathy during work. But then when we get to night and our mind is wrestling and we don't know what to do, we're actually sitting there and out of our boredom, we start to create sin because idleness is, as, as somebody says, like, like idle hands is the, is the devil's workshop. It's absolutely true because it's in this place that we are filled with so many different desires and in boredom, we create ways to sin. Work can actually 
allow us to get into a place where we actually can honor God as we actually find ourselves working and glorifying him and resting in his peace. My goodness, I've got so many more notes here. <laughs> I've got so many. Is anybody like, wow, this is like the worst day to show up. You're like, you're just like, I, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Why do I have to listen to this message? Listen, I'm telling you that if we get this message into our hearts, we, I, I sometimes think, I remember dating Emma at the very beginning of us dating. I was working in a manufacturing environment. I was a materials office clerk. Pretty, pretty big title for a guy that just restocks stuff, you know? Like, this is what they gave me. You're the material office clerk. I'm like, that's gonna look good on a resume for pastoring, you know? And uh, all I was doing was like restocking things and making orders and whatever else. And I remember like adding up all the hours because we were dating at the time. She lived two hours away. We were long distance. It was my gap year between high school and university. And I was adding up all the time I was spending at work. And I was at that time working four different jobs and for a long time, I'd work four, four jobs. It was like six years of working four jobs. I was working there. I'd go umpire. I'd set up volleyball nets and run a league there. I was digging graves. You remember that story? All the right, I was doing all this stuff. And I was adding up all the time that I spent with Emma. And I was like, oh my gosh, like my life is being taken away. Somebody else is controlling my life. But I'm telling you, the truth is, is that most of us, the most consistent place we spend most of our time is in our workplace. And I just wonder today, if you actually got a revelation for how God wants to show up at your workplace, what it would do to not only your life, but the people around you. Because when I see it, I, I, I see that we, we know, we, we, we not only need to understand that God wants us to work, but we actually need to show up like he wants to move in our workplaces. You know, so, for so many of us, you know, we don't work as if we're working unto God and we don't rest as if we're resting unto God. And so therefore we distract ourselves and the final component of making sure that we avoid slothfulness is actually having self-control. See in Galatians 5, to 23, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So for all these fitness gurus and, and productivity planners and all these people that throw all these big conferences that are talking about have willpower and all the rest, do we understand that willpower and self-control is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit? You cannot conjure up enough of it by yourself. You actually need the Holy Spirit to enable you to have the willpower and the self-control you need to avoid the distractions so you can actually work unto God and rest unto God. See, I don't have all the time to walk through how working unto God, resting unto God, and having self-control to ensure that happens impacts our mind, body, and our soul. But I think it's worth us asking the question right now, what would happen to your mind if you worked unto God, rested unto God, and had the Holy Spirit self-control that only he can give? What would that do for your peace of mind? Waking up on Monday morning excited, to get to all that God has for you because you're working for him. You're not working for that, that, that person, that man or that woman that, that you can't stand. You're not you're working unto God. What would it do for you when you approach nighttime and, and it's time to actually sit back and you can actually fill your mind with the, with the word of God after a busy day? What, what would it look like instead of reaching for your phone to actually reach for the word of God? What would it look like to rest unto God? What would it look like rather than being driven to distraction, we're actually driven to our knees in prayer as we begin to receive the sustenance we need from God himself. What would that do to our minds? What would it do to our bodies? What would it do to our souls? 
You see, even as a church, we have this vision that we would be a church that's not just consumers, but actually contributors. Consumeristic mentality is inside of this entire, we are creating technologies that take care of aspects of our lives that point blank, we need to take care of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I've had this whole idea like, oh God, maybe we need to hire a cleaner and a landscaper and a this and a that. And you know what I keep feeling? That's actually just stuff you need to do. <laughs> you need to just sometimes suck it up and do the hard stuff because I don't know about you, but when I'm cutting my grass, all of a sudden God shows up in those moments. It's funny, but as I'm cleaning my house and my kids see a work ethic, all of a sudden God is speaking to me as I observe my kids playing about their futures and what he wants to do in their life. And I don't know about you, but I wanna stop showing up to church and just tuning in online and, and whatever else, but I actually wanna show up and contribute to what God's doing in his house. Listen, I can't be any more frank than this, but I wanna close because I think I benefited us all personally. I wanna talk about our church just for a minute. Our church is about to relaunch on September 12th. <laughs> Definitely didn't wanna get that one wrong. September 12th, we are relaunching. And you know what, as your pastor, you guys have been, most of you have been completely fantastic all throughout the pandemic. But you know how many times I've had to hear that we should be meeting in person. Forget the government, we should just do this. I can't wait till we get back in person. I can't wait till we do real church again. And you know how much, how much burden that is placed on us as pastors as we're trying to lead our best while also honoring the, 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 the authorities that God has placed in our life? It's put tremendous burden on us. And all of a sudden we have an opportunity to open up again on September 12th. And on September 12th, we're asking you as a church to join us in relaunching this church because I know what God can do with a committed few. And it's funny because we've gotten up here now, this is twice, two, two weeks in a row. We said, sign up right now for the relaunch team. We would love to have you. For anybody that's complained about not being in person, now's your chance to actually contribute to what God is doing. And you know, in the first week of signups, we got 53 people signed up in their own volition. Out of a church of hundreds, we got 53 people that actually followed that and signed up for the relaunch team. Guys, I am tired of, of hearing all of the stuff that we need to do differently as a church and then when the opportunity comes up, we don't just go and do the next necessary step and just sign up rather than having to get somebody to follow up with me to simply sign up to help build God's church. Listen, I'm just telling you, and I, I hope I, you know what, even if I offend you, you know what, that's fine. Because I am tired of self-censoring myself to appease the people that are in our church. I'm telling you right now, if you have not signed up for that, but you have complained about some aspect of church, it is your time to sign up right now at slatechurch.com slash relaunch. If you're watching new and you're like, what the heck is just happening? Like, this is not the love of Christ. This is the most loving way I can put it. The church is not gonna build itself. Jesus will build his church, but he said that we are his hands and feet. We are the laborers that partner with the master builder. And right now we have an opportunity to look towards the fall and look towards what God's doing through Locals Plus and our church and Slate Church Online. And we can look towards all that and see a beautiful future for what God wants to do here in Ontario. But I am telling you, we can't be chasing everybody down. We've got to realize that we are contributors here. We're not just consumers. And so when we feel like rating the messages and, 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 and talking about what we liked and what we didn't like, and, and we start you know, complaining about the community that's not being built rather than building the community that we want to see, we are consuming what God is asking for us to contribute to. And right now we have an opportunity to partner with God in a very real way and relaunch in a beautiful way here in the fall. Guys, I see a future that's quite amazing as a church.
Like, I'm so incredibly excited. And in fact, this past week, we just had an incredible, an incredible worship night. But that is just an, a taste of the things to come. That is just a taste of what God wants to do through our church. That is just a glimpse into how God wants to move through our church into the future. And I'm asking right now, will you partner with us? Not, not out of guilt, but out of saying, God, I will not be lazy. I will not be filled with apathy when it comes to partnering with you and building your church. So I wanna ask really quick, is there anybody on the other side of this that's saying, you know what? I need to wake up. It's been too long. I've been making excuses. By the way, I'm about to say something that impacts me really deeply. Because I'm the guy that goes to the gym and wants to reach people for Jesus. And I'm in hockey dressing rooms. And I want to just see people know who my God is. But maybe you're on the other side of this and you're going, I've made up way too many excuses in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of everything that we've gone through to not send out an invite, to not to talk to my neighbors about Christ. I've been, I've been complaining about the mask that we got to wear. And yet here I am walking around using the mask as an excuse why I can't actually reach people for Jesus. I've been doing all the rest of this stuff. I've been using it as a get out of free jail. And you just want to wake up to the calling that is on your life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you right now, just stand up. If you're saying right now where I'm at is not where I want to be when it comes to partnering with God and building his church. If that's you, could you stand up? I want to pray for you wherever you find yourself. Jesus, I thank you for everybody that's standing to their feet right now. And maybe it's not this, this big thing, because all of us were kind of nervous when these these um, the, these calls come out. We go, well, I, you know, I, I I don't want it to seem like like that's been me. And yet maybe we're sitting there and we haven't invited a single person to church in the last year. And yet we're thinking this is for somebody else. God, I pray that you would wake us up in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would light a fire in our spirits for the world that we live in, that we would recognize that without Jesus, this world is not spending eternity with God. That we need to wake up and realize that the time is short and you said that you're coming back for your church. You're coming back in a time that we do not know. God, I pray that we would realize that right now we are in the end times and we have been since you left and it is time to stand up as the body of Christ and move forward for the inheritance that you have before us. It is time to reach out with loving arms to the people that we do life with and introduce them to a God that loves us. Jesus, I pray right now as we move into the future, that God, you would raise up a church that declares into the midst of darkness that there is a hope, there is a light. His name is Jesus Christ and he is worthy to be served. We pray all this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, my encouragement to you right now is, what are you waiting for? Don't take another day without the peace of Christ inside of you. The only reason I'm as passionate as I am right now is because I've tried all the other avenues of life to find fulfillment, but the only place I was able to find it is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin. He paid a sinner's death so that you could be brought into fullness of relationship with God and you could actually experience his spirit's peace within you now and spend eternity with him forevermore. If you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus, simply this means is understanding that you can do nothing to bring yourself into proper relationship with God, but all you can do is receive what God has already done for you by saying, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sin and bowing our knee at the foot of the cross and saying, God, will you save me a sinner? 
So if that's you right now, you wanna make that decision to follow Jesus, I ask you to just raise your hand if you're at a watch party or by yourself in a room or driving a car. And if you're um, watching online, you can click that button that says, I wanna make a decision. And right now, I wanna pray for you. Jesus, for everybody making a decision right now, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let them know that they're not alone. Give them the hope that surpasses all understanding. Give them the peace that fills our hearts that only your spirit can give. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.